hey, you know what to do, you're grown, you know what's right. 19, 16, I, don't, I never know exactly what those mean, but we're somewhere in that ballpark. It's one o'clock in the afternoon in Auburn, Alabama, and this place was lit. Do you want to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money as well. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and literally everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's been so easy to get the show out to y'all, and I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Cod Loop Podcast, episode 27 of the Cod Loop Podcast. Just me and Tar today. Daniel is, uh, you know, running the jungle, so he's not going to be be with us tonight because he's just in charge of so much, making sure the student section is there and prevalent. But Auburn won 78-74 tonight. And uh, Tar, how are you feeling tonight? You know, this is this is a big one for Auburn, uh, Auburn basketball, actually. I mean, in, in, in the given sense that we know that Auburn had to win tonight and that they had to take care of business, Auburn fans probably would have liked this to be a little more convincing. But – you come into this game uh, against a team that's just not shooting the ball well uh, and, and and is really a bottom feeder in the league. And then what do they do? They go out and shoot 33.3% from the, from, from, from beyond the arc. Uh, this feels like it's become a kind of mantra for Auburn <laughs> throughout this year. They've kind of gotten the best out of everyone, which was really a testament to, to where Bruce Pearl and this program are, but you feel like they're getting the best from everyone in terms of shooting performances. I mean, Ole Miss shot 41.4% from, from the floor, and, and I really should have done my homework beforehand. I would imagine that would be one of their better performances on the year. <laughs> so there, there's just only so much you can do about this. Auburn's defense left a lot to be desired. I know that. We're probably going to talk about that here in just a minute. But there were, there were some bright spots. I mean, Janai Broom, hello. You were you, Welcome back to, to being the Janai Broom that, that we all thought and knew you could be. Wendell Green Jr., He's, he had one of those games today where you wanted him to have the ball at the end of the game. And he, you know, dropped 23. Let, let's see. Off, off the top of my head. Uh, 23, 20, uh, 19 well, points for Janai Broom. Eight six blocks. Uh, I was looking at Wendell collecting. Oh, sorry. Points, uh, collecting 11 of his points from the free throw line. Objectively hilarious. But after, and th- there's another point uh, for the team as a whole. Auburn shot abysmally uh, from the, from the stripe in, in Nashville last weekend. And then they go out and shoot two of uh, 22 of 24 uh, tonight. I understand it's not pretty. It's not exactly what you wanted it to be. And and the defensive breakdown, I mean, that was probably the worst defense we've seen Auburn play all year. That's Let's just call a spade a spade, Don. But you won. And we always say that here uh, on the show. A win is a win is a win is a win. And there were a lot of good offensive things to take away from this. I don't necessarily know that this is one to beat, beat yourself up over. Bruce Pearl seemed pretty accepting of the fact that, hey, it's a W. We're going to keep rolling after the game. And, that, and that's the right mentality, right? You, you've got to get back on that right foot. And this one's not setting the expectation too high for Saturday after the last two wins you've had have been blowout wins. And you turn around and, you know, crap the bed, for lack of a better term. Now you're going into a very, very, very important game with Kentucky on Saturday. And you've got guys with confidence. I mean, Jalen Williams had another 12 today. Alan Flanagan 
I, I hate when he makes threes now because he he seems to think that that broke uh, step back jumper works all the time. And then he goes one of four like he did tonight. But Flanagan got involved. He had one of those big emphatic dunks on a fast break. And it, you you even get, like you mentioned before we got on the air, Trey Donaldson get involved. There's a lot of good things that came out of this. Nothing more important, Dylan, than Auburn actually looking like they had a plan in the last two minutes. Yeah, something we've not seen in a lot of the games where Auburn has lost. But I'm going to go back to my my old bread and butter on this one. Eight points from the bench. Uh, good thing Trey Donaldson got on the board. He's not gotten on the board since – I need to do that research because I just need to know the last time Trey Donaldson scored a bucket was before tonight. I think it was uh, well over a month ago. Uh, Dylan Carwell got a, one of his emphatic dunks, as he always does. And, of course, Katie Johnson got four points. But after that, Simo, Leor, zero points from them. Sadly, Lord Berman wasn't allowed to shoot the ball, even though he was wide open. For, Trey uh, Donaldson's last basket was a three against Georgia on the 1st of February. So, yeah, about not, about not a quite a month ago. Three, three weeks ago to the day. Three weeks ago to the day. <laughs> so, you know, scoring on the anniversary of sure. uh, his last bucket. But, I mean, uh, I take a lot of good things away from this. Wendell Green came back after his five-point performance last game. Uh, Jay Will got 12, Janai Broom put, nine, put up 19, and I know you said the last game, if you found out that Janai Broom and Jay Will both put up like 15-plus last game, Auburn would have won. And, I mean, starting lineup got it done. Zepp Jasper even got five points. So the starting lineup was set in stone and played very well. I just, again, with Kentucky, Bama, and Tennessee all up on the block, the bench has got to do what they did last game. I mean, I, we saw them score 18 points in the last game, and you're just like, okay, let's see more of this. But sure, absolutely. It took, a, took a step back both defensively. The bench took a step back offensively. And, I mean, three players on Ole Miss put up double-digit points. Uh, Merle put up 23 points. I mean, with those three teams coming up next, you got to do better. I, I couldn't agree more, Dylan. And I don't want to get lost in the sauce, though. Give my man Janai some help on defense because, man, was he a blocking machine under the basket tonight. Oh, yeah. Six blocks for Janai Broom. Love to see it. And there's so many of those situations, and you're going to know exactly what, I t- what I'm talking about when I say this. It's not a recorded stat, but so many situations where Janai forces players into bailing out of going up to the rack and, and dishing the ball or, or kind of bailing out of their whole movement. That doesn't go on the, on, on the stat sheet, but its impact is so immeasurable. It, re- it really is. And – Man, did he look like Janai Broom tonight. Uh, he he was really a shining light. I know that Wendell Green wound up dropping 20, 23 points, and, and, and Wendell fights to get to that free throw line more than anybody in the SEC. He does a great job. It's a huge part of his game. The scoring numbers are, are, are really overshadowing how impactful I think Janai Broom was tonight and how important I think he's going to be on Saturday. And I think that's that's a very good pivot point here, Dylan. Auburn's got a pretty tough task on Saturday. I mean, hell, they've got a very tough task on Saturday. They're about to head into a place that Auburn hasn't won in, in forever and, and try to go take down Calipari and a, a Kentucky team that's playing with its tail tucked between its legs right now because it has to win so bad. Kentucky snuck away with a win against Florida earlier this evening, actually ended directly before the Auburn game uh, against Ole Miss began on Wednesday night. But Oscar Sheeways figured himself out. Severe Wheeler looks competent again. And... Kentucky's got dudes. I know we we say this every year, but they've got dudes. They don't need help. <laughs> they've got four players averaging in, in, in double figures. And, and 
this is going to be one of those games where Auburn's going to really have to put its best foot forward. I think it starts with Janai Broom and his matchup with Oscar to Shiba. Oscar Shiba, excuse me, I almost said to Shiba. It's definitely Shiba. My apologies. <laughs> I'm interested to get your thoughts here, Dylan. I don't know that tonight can't serve as a building block, more not in the same way that we've been saying the momentum building block, but a wake-up call, hello, you snuck out of this one, don't let it happen again, kind of slap on the wrist. I don't know that tonight can't serve as that kind of launch pad to go win at Rupp Arena on Saturday. I don't think it's out of the picture. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, I just, I we saw, I saw it a lot tonight when you talk about the bailing out at the last moment. But I just, and I saw it a lot. I, I can't speak on how much I saw this tonight. I saw Katie Johnson get frustrated at the defense because Janai Broom forced him, forced him to bail out and left a wide open guy behind the three-point line. Oh, he needs help. Cannot do that against Kentucky, who is kind of getting back into the swing of things. They're not as good as probably California wants them to be. They're also 36.3% from beyond the arc and 69.4. Nice. 69.4% from the field. So you can't leave these guys open in, in, in space. You cannot. And I mean, Shigwe is I, what position? He's a forward, but he's, yeah, he's a powerful guy. He is he's, powerful. He's big dude. He, will, he will drive in on you in a heartbeat, no matter who's in front of him. And I mean, a lot of things going Kentucky's way. I mean, Ty Ty can't get hurt this game because he's I'm not sure on the actually six foot nine, also nice, and plays forward. <laughs> Shout out to throw that out there. Yeah, but like as I was saying, like Ty Ty isn't going to get knocked out of this game because he's not on the team anymore. So Auburn is going to have to lock down these guys like Severe and Shigwe and Broom is going to be such a huge and it's going to be the headliner of this game is the fact that we're going to watch Nye Broom try to put on a block party against a guy who's going to try to shoulder bump him out of the way. And let's not forget Jacob Toppin, brother of Obi Toppin. Jacob Toppin also has been balling out. In, in in Lexington this year and at standing at six foot nine, also playing forward. Janai's going to have his work cut out for him. I think he's more than capable. I think that this is he's the right, he's the guy you want going up against this, but you're going to need some help beyond just Janai Broom. I do think it starts with him, Dylan. And I I'm op- probably overly optimistic for what Auburn can can achieve on, on Saturday against against Kentucky at Rupp. But eventually, that streak's got to fall. We've seen Kentucky lose to significantly worse teams than Auburn this year. We've also seen Auburn lose to significantly worse teams than Kentucky this year. <laughs> so this was – it should be actually a really fun 40-minute game. And in one of those that probably goes down to the wire, I think Auburn can get it done. Let's uh, let's keep the keep the ball rolling unless you had anything else you wanted to add there. I was just going to throw a little – I'm going to need Auburn to win two out of these last three games to kind of prove to me that they are prepared for the tournament. Well, Auburn needs Auburn to win two of these last three games. So well, yeah, you're, you're not needs, in the you're, Auburn. <laughs> Auburn needs Auburn to win three out of these three games. <laughs> right. But I would like to see Auburn win two out of these three. Sure. Let's 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 pivot over to football for a little bit. We'll, we'll jump back onto the hardwood here in just a little bit, Dylan. And and we've got a great interview coming up here in just a little bit with former Auburn line, uh, linebacker Brooks Walton. Ton of fun walk on guy. Great interview. Very excited about that. But I did want to talk. Spring ball is very, very close. It's around the corner. Dylan starts February 27th, starting earlier this year. Hugh Freeze and company getting getting after it, putting the nose to the grindstone. I was curious, just, just for a moment here, to get your thoughts on what position battle you're going to be watching the most throughout spring ball and, and throughout, I guess, the spring period into the fall that's not the quarterback battle between presumptively Robbie Ashford and Holden Jariner. 
And I, I'm, I'm curious to see where you go with this. If you want to go with what we have written on the rundown, that's fine. I'll build on it. But if you've got something else, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, I'm actually going to go with the edge rusher position. I like that. Because uh, that's going to be a battle of three monsters. It's going to be your Keldrick Falk, your Elijah McAllister, and your Dylan Brooks. And, I mean, any of those guys can really win it. And I think Keldrick Falk is probably going to be the winner later on in the season. I think Elijah McAllister definitely going in as the uh, edge rusher number one. I think it's now called a Jack is what it's called now. I love that, by the way. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of good names for the Edwards position. Doesn't make it more confusing at all what the Edwards position really is. At all. But another position you kind of look towards a little bit is the wide receiver position as well. Sure. Just because you're looking at Landon King, Camden Brown, Jafari Johnson, Coy Moore, all these big names. Nick Martin are coming in. You've got to look at this. How does like, he plug in? Exactly. You're looking at it as, who is going to be that number one target for Robbie Ashford or Holden Jariner or whoever is starting at quarterback for the Auburn Tigers? Because the transfer portal, not over yet. Auburn could definitely just pick up a transfer quarterback right after the spring. Sure. But right now, we believe it's Robbie Ashford. We're going to stand behind Robbie Ashford being the guy for now. Who's going to be that number one target? I think it's going to be Camden Brown, but I also see the world where Landon King is just going to be the leading receiver. And, I mean, Rivaldo Fairweather is going to get some snaps at wide receiver as well. I mean, I'm a I'm a coy more more believer. I, I I think he's got a ton of upside, and and, and I've also let Zach Blackerby talk me into it. Uh, but his his tape's good, man. It's just got to plug into the right yeah, right scheme. And linebacker is also another one I'm going to be looking at because I want to yeah. see who's going to get that number one position between Demario Tolan or Robert Woodyard, Eugene sure. Asante, and Wesley Steiner are all coming. Both both those guys coming back, so it's going to be a really interesting battle for at least those three positions to me. I wanted to throw in one more, and there's a lot of position battles. I'm very interested in the running back room. Obviously, Jarquez Hunter is going to be your presumptive running back one. But then you've got an interesting group. You bring in Brian Batie out of USF, who we probably believe will be on the special teams unit as well. Probably yeah. that's, that's probably why you bring him in, but you'd assume that he's going to get some form of touches if he can fit in this rotation. You bring Damari Alston back, who had a ton of ton of potential, showed a lot of good things in 2022, really good at running behind the pads and getting downhill. And then I'm curious to see how this, maybe it's the running back two position that I'm, I'm looking at the most. I think Jeremiah Cobb and, 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 and Zach Blackerby mentioned on the Auburn daily show, or excuse me, locked on Auburn rather yesterday, I guess, as this comes out two days ago, but I thought it was very interesting. I don't know that you can keep Jeremiah Cobb off the field. I mean, the kid is just so talented. I don't know that you can limit his touches and you may wind up having that, kind of sneaky pick for a 300 headed monster in that running back room because i i personally don't i don't think also demari also can lose snaps i'm curious to see how that shakes out uh i don't think i mean we, we know da is not one of those guys that's going to quit on you but i'm not entirely sure that there can be a world where you keep demari Austin off the field i think there's just too much talent i think there's a lot of uh potential in jeremiah cobb i think he's probably going to be an outstanding i think he's going to be an outstanding running back in the future I do think the smart thing to do would be to redshirt him for a year just to give, just make it a three-headed monster between, because Damari is so quick and powerful as a runner. Jarquez as Jarquez. And Brian Batiste is going to be more of your, I could see Batiste being the wildcat type running back and your sure. speed, he's going to be your speed back. He's going to be your Ontario McCaleb type running back where he's just going to be, you're going to put him around the edge, let him just run it to run to the sideline, cut up field and make people miss from there. And, yeah, he's going to be your return man. Uh, Jeremiah Cobb, I think, is definitely going to see action at least four games this season. Oh, yeah, you got to play him at least as four. 
because you just have to under, you just have to see how good he is like in the first year. Sure. But but next year it's all Damari and Jeremiah Cobb, which looks pretty close to a Cadillac and Ronnie Brown type uh, mixed <laughs> sure. up. But sure. yeah, I think the running back two position could be very interesting just to see where they plug in Brian Batie. And I think Damari also is going to be more of your wing back and your te- you're like your two like it's going to be Jarquez Damari right next to the quarterback. Hear me out. Get 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 a formation where you have Robbie Ashford, Jarquez Damari, and Jeremiah Cobb all on the field at the same time with Landon King, and then just tell them to run the backyard football offense and see what happens. Quintuple op- quintuple option. I love it. The quintuple option. Yes. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's go back to the hardwood for just a minute here, Dylan. I, I wanted to pop in because there's a lot of we're, we're getting close to spring ball, and next week's going to be a heavy heavy dose of football. So for you football fans listening to the College Loop, you don't have to wait much longer because it's it's going to pick back up, especially uh, from now until really the end of May when we get toward the end of that transfer portal period. But then summer ball is kicking back up and we'll be going to camps and things of that nature. So it's it's going to be a heavy dose. You've had your one little shy away from football for just a, a brief, brief period of time. But let's talk a little bit about women's hoops for, here, for a second here, Dylan. Auburn basketball is going to play, uh, Auburn women's basketball rather, is going to play UGA in Athens this evening as the show comes out. Auburn actually looks kind of healthy. I'm, I'm curious to get your <laughs> thoughts here on, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of, I have to phrase it as a fr- question because you never know. Uh, this team has been, has been plagued with injuries like no team I've ever seen before. And I don't even know that that's an exaggeration. Like, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you, you lose to Tennessee on, on Sunday. We, we know this, but close loss in a hostile environment. And you're going into Athens against a team that's jockeying to make the NCAA tournament. How you can kind of ride that momentum from a loss. I know that's weird, right? I'm not. I'm not being crazy. No, I don't think you are at all. I think I don't want to say Auburn's a bad team, but being a lesser team in the SEC and just such a competitive conference in general, I see like a close loss to a team like Tennessee, who is I. I think are they a blue blood of women's basketball? Oh, for sure. The Pat, Pat Summit era? Pat Summit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think if you can close out with these last two wins, if you can get these last two games to fall down, I mean, Auburn could finish out either 16 and 12. I think they're going to end up either being 15, 13. I don't know if they're going to drop one of these two games or not, because I think Georgia, if Georgia can just, I don't know, play, play out a little bit more. But I think winning out these last two games will give Auburn a lot of good momentum. And especially if they stay healthy for the SEC tournament, I mean, it could go pretty far in the tournament. Why? Yeah. Things, things could get weird in a hurry. Yeah. Uh, Cause I mean, I mean, South Carolina is this dominant force, but I mean, they didn't win the tournament last year. So it, I mean, it could be, it could get real interesting very quick for women's basketball. Yeah. They didn't win the tournament. They did win the natty. So <laughs> I mean, I making it to the, making it that, Farther than the first or second round in the SEC tournament for Auburn women's basketball right now is a, a huge, huge step. step in the right direction. And I mean, with freshman class coming in, this freshman class getting a little bit older. Sure, agreed. I'm I'm just glad I'm not going crazy. I know Daniel. If Daniel was here, he'd be saying, yelling at Auburn women's basketball to get the ball inside and do what they do best. I just kind of want to talk from a holistic perspective for a second before we keep moving. I just wanted to, to mention, actually, I think that playing a team like Tennessee close on the road. It's one of those things where you can go into the next game and, and against a quality opponent and say, we hung with a quality opponent in a hostile environment. We can do this. Our young, our young gals are, are we're, we're all kind of clicking. Now we understand that you're going to get punched in the mouth in the sec. And sometimes you're going to get punched pretty hard. 
and you just got to bounce right back. I think this group understands <laughs> that more so now than they did. I confidently they understand it now more than they did 15 games ago. So that's that's I think tremendously almost immeasurably val- valuable. Let's keep talking women's sports, Dylan. We do a little women's sports conversation around here. We, we, we talk a little bit about uh, women's athletics. Let's talk a little bit gymnastics. What do you say? I'm always going to talk about Auburn gymnastics. I know you are. Auburn dropped to number seven in the latest rankings after a loss at Mizzou last week. Whatever. It's fine. It doesn't matter. It's really nothing to press the panic button about, in my opinion. I mean, I it's it's okay. It's going to be okay. There are some things you want to clean up. You've got an opportunity in a in Friday night's meet against UGA, number 14 in the country. We say this every single week. We sound like broken records. You have another opportunity to go toe-to-toe with a top 15 program because the SEC, I swear, probably makes up 13 of those. I, I, I'd actually have to fact-check myself. I would venture to say <laughs> realistically like seven. I'm not even kidding. More than likely. It, Auburn is, is back at, at full health. You'll probably see a normal rotation. For those of you panicking about last week's meet, go back and look at who all competed in what event. Sinisha Lee, not in the all-around. Darion Goborn, not in the all-around. Keep the legs fresh. Sophia Groth had a fantastic meet. She's gotten better every 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 week. Dylan, you got two meets left, and I'm curious to get to get to get your your insight here. You just ride the momentum out, and you work on getting better on vault. That's about it, right? Yeah, that's all you really got to do. Uh, so you look at it last week. You just see how last week was looking at Auburn's gymnastics depth. That's all that was. Sure, that's basically like a prep game, getting ready for later on in the season. Glorified scrimmage. Let it be known. Auburn Gymnastics is so good, we were able to bench our two biggest guns against a top 15 team. From the all-around. From the all-around. I mean, <laughs> I mean they are the – Darion Goborn was not on the floor. Yes. She did not compete in the floor. Suni Lee, not on the floor. Auburn still played it very close until the – I guess the score isn't really going to show up, but still played it very close. And you're looking at it, and you look at ahead of the look at back in the schedule. I mean, Auburn is on a pretty good streak going on, and I mean, it's it's hard. It's always hard to win on the road in gymnastics. It's hard to do, it, and I mean, it gets a little get gets a little biased sometimes. Just the environments are unreal. Yes, uh, I love the the spans that gymnastics has gotten, and the fan attendance has skyrocketed for literally everyone's gymnastics program. And I mean, if you look at the schedule, Auburn's 0 3 on the road. Uh, so, I mean, that just shows you how good the SEC is and the environments and whatnot. One and but, two in my book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. In a lot of people's books, they're one and two. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. But I'm looking ahead to Auburn being at full strength. SEC championships is com- are coming around soon. And Auburn at full strength should scare a lot of SEC teams, except sure. for maybe Florida. <laughs> but even they should be okay. a little worried <laughs> because, I mean, Auburn, Auburn back up. And Auburn, Sophia Groth, Darion Goborn, uh, Suni Lee and Powell's would like to tell you to put the word out there that they are back up. <laughs> and <Matthew> Stevens, <laughs> dog. <laughs> even Jeff Graba, dog. Like. <laughs> Very, very talented group. Very excited to see how they how they perform. And and I, I'm excited to be able to be – this is the first time I'm ever going to be able to go to SEC championships in person, Dylan. I'm very, very excited about that. It's a two-session, uh, two full day of nothing but high-level gymnastics. And I know I'm rubbing it in now. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm excited. Two and sessions of just looking absolutely unathletic compared to 
Yeah, I'm just remi- reminding myself as I'm eating those really, 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 really crappy stadium nachos. I'm, I'm just like, yeah, I, yeah, you, you got to do it better than that, chomp. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hand me, knock, knock that down with four Mountain Dews. Same concept, right? <laughs> Let's talk Diamond Sports, Dylan. Spring is here. It's it's starting to get warm. It's like we're getting that false. We're getting the, the fall spring right now. We're going to get that one last little fake winter, and I think spring is here. Auburn baseball. I don't even uh, I I use the word thumping <laughs> that they delivered to North Alabama on, on Tuesday night, which side note, before we talk about this a little bit, I love that Auburn's playing North Alabama and, and Huntsville at uh, at uh, Toyota Field, home of the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Love this tradition. Glad that this is a thing that's going to continue going on for uh, going forward. I'm a huge proponent of playing your in-state uh, schools as much as you can. Love when Auburn plays UAB, Troy, Sanford, the whole nine. Just think that's a super cool opportunity. But they thumped uh, North Alabama 13 to one in seven innings. And if you're a fan of, of, of diamond sports and you like watching full games. Yeah. Right now is probably not the time you need to be doing that at Auburn because just, you may just need to turn in and t- tune into the radio and just listen for a couple innings because there's not been a ton of full length games this week so far. I want to start here, Dylan. Ike Irish is so not human. It's funny. He is so good at the sport of baseball. And a freshman. He's a true freshman. At that. <laughs> uh, dude can absolutely knock the ever-loving crap off of baseball. And has he had home run yet? No homers yet. It no, doesn't, it, no, but it doesn't matter because he just barrels baseball. No, no homers, and he leads the team in runs, I believe. So Correct. absolute monster of a guy up, up to bat. And I mean, we talked about we talked about a lot. I mean, Sonny Deshero is a big shadow to that <laughs> left a big shadow uh, when he left Auburn. So, <laughs> uh, and I think I Irish the peak male shadow actually. You may not peak, like this, but it's peak the peak male. male if you've never seen Sonny Deshero, he is the he is what you want a man to look like. Ladies, you may not like it, but this is the truth. <laughs> throw away your Ron Reynolds's. Throw away all this. Sonny <laughs> Deshero is the pinnacle. Sonny, I hope you, if you're listening to this, I hope you know that we're, this is out of absolute love and we want you in the podcast so bad it hurts. Continue, Dylan. Please. please. <laughs> but yeah, and we all talk about like, who's going to replace Sonny Deshera and the productivity, the productivity that he left on the field last season. And Ike Irish is making a strong case to be that dude. And I know he's just a DH right now, but he's doing DH things. So I, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Ike Irish. Absolutely. And you know, it's what's crazy, Dylan, is, and I, I don't even think you and I have talked about that yet. I had already kind of gone down that mental ta- tangent about how maybe Ike Irish can step in. You're not going to duplicate what Sonny did last year, but he might be able to fill that void. And 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 right now, I just want to read his stat line for the past game. Three for four, one RBI, two runs. He's got a 563 average through four games, which we can only infer being the ball knowers that we are, we only, we can only infer that's only going to go up and it's never going to get lower than that. Um, just, just putting that out there. A couple other highlights, Connor Copeland looked good through three, 3.2 innings. He, he had, he gave up three hits and got pulled in the third because the first inning was so freaking long. <laughs> so big, big, big opportunity for him. And, and he, he looked very strong going to the end of this weekend. Auburn's got a series at home for those of you who are, They've been living under a rock or haven't heard about it. This series is at home. Tickets are available for the University of Southern California series at Plainsman Park. That game got that series got flexed due to projected thunderstorms in Southern California, which apparently they haven't had rain like in that area in like forever. Now they're all like, what the heck? Why now? Uh, USC's 
three and one on the season. Most recent game uh, being a loss to UC Irvine, which sounds bad. I promise it's not. That's one of those baseball schools that always winds up making the tournament. Yeah. So that's it's not a bad loss. Starters yet uh, have not been announced yet, but we know that Jogo is going to go on Sun uh, on Saturday. And after his opening weekend debut, I mean, I'm just so excited to watch this guy throw the ball this year. Yeah, you're not lying. I would say one thing about the pitching uh, rotation, I would like to see Drew Nelson not start, but I would like to see him get into one of these games. and Out of the bullpen. Some, out of the bullpen. Absolutely. Get, and getting some confidence pitches in. I kind of talked about a little bit on the YouTube with some of the other Auburn fans. I kind of wanted to see him a little bit versus UNA just because sure. I, I just wanted to see him get in, get some more confidence going. But I'm, I'm not going to be mad with a John Armstrong closer. So, oh my gosh, John! How how much has he stepped up and said this is my job so far? I gotta be honest. If John Armstrong is a pitcher, I'm I might just take it, take uh, just get out of the get out. Of the oh ball. yeah, I can't even see the ball coming out of his hand. Like I'm just gonna. Every time he throws shoulder. the ball, looking at it from behind the plate, I think he's aiming right at the batter, but it cuts <laughs> right in at the right time. And I, I mean, I would jump back every time. <laughs> John I mean, has. He has solidified himself, and we talked with Lindsey Crosby before the season that he was probably going to wind up getting that star, uh, that closing role rather. And man, he is he's he's fitting that mold nicely. And and they may wind up having a one-two punch. We'll have to see here in, in the coming weeks. But uh, to 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 your to your point, I I think that this group has the opportunity in the in the coming weeks, especially your midweek series, to get a lot of arms into the games, get a lot of innings in for a lot of guys, and and let people get hit. You learn how to you learn how to pitch better than the sec by getting hit and that's, that's what Lindsay told us and it makes perfect sense so a lot of a lot of good things going on there on the other side of diamond sports another i guess for all intensive purposes butt whooping uh auburn softball delivered a 10 to 1 defeat over the uab blazers once again i think it's super cool when auburn gets to play these in-state teams always a ton of fun and uh well so just 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 be honest with you uh nelia peralta still doesn't care about your feelings <laughs> <laughs> that has not changed. Uh, Brie Ellis had another Brie bomb, which makes every appearance after her after showing up on the college loop, she has hit a Brie, Brie bomb. I need I need put put the word out there. Every show since she's been on the college loop, Brie Ellis has hit a home run. That's a fact. Hey, every game after she has been named the great Bambrino, <laughs> after that's been greenlit, she has hit two home runs. That's and right. every game. And- I did see someone ta- quote tweeted the Auburn softball page of when Brielle said a home run with hashtag the great Bram Bambrino. Love it. So excited to see it. <laughs> it. It spreads as John Rothstein always says. So ton of fun there. And I mean, <laughs> I, this team, dude, I mean, <laughs> it's almost like they're going to, they're playing on rookie mode <laughs> right now. And, and, and they've got, I, I hate to I hate to sound condescending, and, and and you can drop a game to anyone in diamond sports. You really can. That's the beauty of uh, of baseball and softball, and, and, and really basketball falls in that conversation too. But probably going to add another five wins this weekend in the Plainsman Invitational. Uh, two games against Merrimack. R.I.P. Thank you for coming out. Uh, one game against Brown. Two games against North Dakota State, and then that can be a sneaky little trip up there. And, 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 you know, I think at the worst case, you go four and one. I would be shocked if you, if you didn't win it out. <laughs> and that would bump you to 15 and one on the season. And this is becoming like a a, a habit <laughs> for Mickey <laughs> Dean teams, which is which is a good thing. I know, I know that your your home tournaments or whatever you may have, you are, are typically easier. But uh, these, this, this, these teams not just winning games. They are 
dominating. They are destroying individuals, if you will. I will say, uh, if you have a little thing with prize picks, uh, go ahead and bet for a Brie Bomb on Sunday (laughs) against North Dakota State because I will be in attendance. And, of course, she's always hit a home run Mm. whenever I'm there. That's, I mean, statistic, stat check, fact. So, I can't can't dispute that. So, go ahead and write it down. I am uh I'm I'm very excited for the for the potential of this team. I think that Dylan, I think they might be a little better than we thought they were. And and that and oh, that, yeah, that, that's saying sure. like we didn't think that, that for those of you who think we're going back on a word, we're not. We're not. <laughs> I just think that maybe they are even a, a little higher level than we thought because there are some bats that came on this year. Also, Matt, Maddie Penta let her hit cleanup, make it happen. <laughs> They didn't have her on the batting rotation today. It was kind of a crime, but I guess we'll let it happen because she has to keep her arms okay for pitching absolute <laughs> piss missiles and striking everyone. <laughs> Absolutely true. Uh, great, great weekend for for sports on the plains. A lot of fun stuff to to get after and go check out. If you're going to games, make sure to tweet at us. Let us know where you're at. If if one of us are at the games, we'll come hang out. Come say hey and. Uh, We'll have another show on Sunday, and Dylan will be with Daniel Locke and whoever else they choose to be with. I'm actually going to go skiing this weekend, take a little vacation. I'm not having a while, so I'm looking forward to that. Right now, before we before we get back to ourselves, we're going to throw it over to our good friend, former Auburn walk-on linebacker, Brooks Walton. He had a great, great interview with us earlier today. It was nothing short of a pleasure, and you guys don't want to skip through this one because he's got some really funny stories to tell you guys about being a walk-on and, and and being at Auburn as a football player. Without further ado, let's toss it over to ourselves with Auburn walk-on linebacker, Brooks Walton. Yes, it is now my pl- privilege. I said pleasure, pleasure and privilege at the same time. English is a language I speak, guys. I'm waking up from a nap. Here we go. It is my privilege to introduce Brooks Walton, former Auburn linebacker, onto the show. Brooks, how are you doing today, man? It's been a while since we've been able to catch up. Yeah, I know. It's good to see you guys again. We're doing good. Hanging in there? Good? Yeah, yeah, so making it. We got we got a lot of questions for you, and and I know that this is going to kind of sound a little cliche stuff, but and I know people have been talking to you about it. We wanted to talk to you. you know, obviously, there's a lot going on in the Plains right now. There's a different administration yeah. than when you were there. Yep. Well, I guess, yep, yeah, a different administration than when you were there. And uh, there's also, more importantly, we want to talk to you a little bit about life after football, man. Uh, how yeah, How sure. weird of an adjustment has that been? You know, it was interesting. It was cool to be able to, you know, we finished after the Birmingham Bowl on what, December like 28th or something. So, you know, 2021. So I had a semester where I was just a normal student. And so that was a transition period to, I didn't just get dumped out of sports straight into real life. You know, I got to relax for a while and then graduated in May. Um, Yeah. And then I started working in the beginning of August. So yeah, it is super cool, but like, you know, people people talk about how sports is kind of a job while you're in college, and like it is. But but I definitely like I I felt okay coming into life after ball, and you know, with the interactions you have with people, it's it, a lot of it's still the same. There you go. And what are, what are you doing now? Tell tell everybody what you're what you're up to now because you got a degree that was way too hard for any football uh, for, for 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 my for my likings, but man, man, I couldn't have done it. Trust me, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, I'm out. Um, out in South Carolina, uh, I got my aerospace engineering degree, so I'm out here um, working for Lockheed Martin. It's pretty cool. Met a lot of cool people. Um, it definitely like it's been a it's been a cool spot. I'm really happy I ended up here. Yeah, it's a hell of a career, man, and a hell of a transition uh, into. At least you had that little segue, like you said, that that first semester. Yeah, and, uh, 
it's it's cool to talk to people uh, because uh, it, it, like I, I I'm not I don't mean to come across belittling. I'm definitely not. I admire the hell out of everything you've done. You went through as as a student athlete and got an, uh, an aerospace degree, which I, I think being as a non student athlete uh, is is bonkers to do in the first place. But it, it is really interesting to talk to to people that after their college after they graduate college like that's the end of their athletic career because people kind of fixate on 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 your on your high you know your pro level guys your high superstar guys and not even the guys that fizzle out quickly it is it is a hell of a transition and into into moving from yeah you're you've been playing ball since what well, i would guess probably what six or seven? Oh my gosh yeah i mean i think well i started a little bit later than some of my friends but i think it was fourth grade was my first year playing ball and i was a quarterback and we didn't win a single game so that was <laughs> That was kind of like my first, uh, you know, maybe I should stay away from that time. Yeah, so I've been playing since, you know, however old you are in fourth grade. It's been a long time. Knee high. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's always yeah. interesting to talk to, to you guys about this kind of stuff because you'd be blown away by the amount of, of, of former student athletes that go on to do these tremendous, like, ac- prestigious things in the academic realm. And, and people forget about that because it, sometimes it's kind of black and white, football player, not football player, basketball player, not basketball player. And, and that, that's a large part of the reason we want to talk to you today. But I did, I did want to talk a little bit, um, and, and I'm sure Dylan's going to circle back. Dylan, after I ask Brooks this, I'm going to open it up to you. Mm-hmm. There's no beating around the bush, and I don't think you thought you were going to get away without answering this one here. There's been a change <laughs> in administration, and and, and, yeah. and you were you were there, and I'm not I'm not going to pick on the previous administration. I'm actually not going there. Um, you were there during a coaching change. People don't talk enough. People talk a lot about, oh, this is the future. This guy, you know. The, Candidate A is is the promised candidate, and and we're going to the these X Y Z heights with with this person. People don't often talk about how of an intricate change and in, in culture shock it is often to go through. Um, and you had a very staunch change um, between the Malzahn yeah. tenure and the Hartson tenure. Talk to us just for a minute about how does how do these guys that are going through this change from the you know the Harson slash the, the last of the end of the, end of the year Cadillac Williams to this Hugh Freeze tenure what if what all are they going through I know you're not with that program at the time but what all do you, can you kind of relate with right now? You know it's crazy and they're going through so much more because they had Cadillac there for a bit and then they got into his Freeze and now they're in the new facility like it's even a new location for them now it's totally different you know us we were going in the same building the same building we've been going into and so that was. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's, it, there's so much about it that I've realized I just kind of, it happened and then you forget because it's just part of day-to-day life. Um, thing, but things like, you know, so the new coaching staff comes in, you hear about them. Some people on the team I know heard from like social media before they heard from the actual administration. And so it's kind of this weird interaction of who knows what, who has what source. And, you know, I mean, a lot of times we, especially the walk-ons, we were in the same page as everybody else we really didn't know and but then you know they come in you hear okay this is your guy this is who it's going to be um and it was it was cool that we had so we had coach Steele coaching for the bowl game and but coach Harson had already been named the head coach so that was a little smoother transition because coach Steele like let him be around and he introduced himself to us all one day after one of the bowl practices we all got to go up and shake his hand and so that made it a little bit more smooth as to where, you know, it might be, hey, this dude's out, this guy's right back in. Um, but what's cool is it's, it's cool, but it's kind of different. You know, you meet the new coaches, you meet the new staff and your position coach, your D coordinator, Coach Freeze, obviously. But really who you get to know with it happening in the offseason before anybody else is the new strength staff. 
Like that was who, you know, because um, Coach Harson started back in January. So we're with the we're with the um, the strength staff the whole time, and we're with them every day, and they get to know us way better than maybe our position do, and that's not bad or anything. But I mean, people say it, and it's true that the strength staff spends more time with you than pretty much anybody else because they're with you all year round they're with us pretty much the you know almost the whole day in the summertime so whoever the new strength coach is and all the assistants you know they're trying to figure out their new their new cadence of how you work out and who goes with which coach and who does how do you do you know like little things like warm-ups we're all used to warming up one way and then you start it some way new so that part's really cool and then obviously you know there's a transition period with which is where they come in and They've probably done little one-on-one meetings with everybody, which is a really good thing. And they just kind of get to know who you are. And I really like that part. I really like being able to do that with the new coach because, you know, you can come in and say, hey, here's what I've done. And they obviously have your transcripts and they've got your athletic achievements and your background with them. But you get to fresh face for them and for you. You guys both come in, kind of feel each other out, see how things are going. So, I'm sure it's really fun and super exciting, and there's a lot of energy up there. I'm, I'm really happy for Are you excited about the? We'll talk more. But you, you excited about the direction of the program? Yeah, I really am. I'm really, really excited. Yeah, it'll be good. And and I guess kind of follow up question, Dylan. I promise I'm done. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take too much. Work too much away. How many of those one on ones did you did you partake in um, throughout that transition process between Malzahn and, and Harson? Who all did you? I guess you don't have to name names, but how many of those one on ones or I guess small groups did you have to sit in on during that transition? You had. I'm trying to think. We probably had two or three um, scheduled ones, and then you know you pop in text and like, hey, you know I, I had Coach Schmetting as a linebackers coach. Like, hey, Coach Schmetting, like, can I walk in and talk to you about this, or can I discuss this with you? So. But we had a couple of official, you know, here's your time, you walk in, you meet Coach Harson, you meet Coach Schmetting. And it was it was cool to be able to do that because everybody's getting to know each other. And I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of big personalities on on all sides. And so it's a super cool feeling out period to hear other people's experiences with it too. Word. That's cool. That's cool as hell. All right, Dylan, I'll mute myself. <laughs> well, you had two different defensive coordinators as well alongside with going from Kevin Steele to Derek Mason. So what was that transition like? Cause they have very different defensive uh, like standpoints. Yeah, they were, you know, it was, it was really interesting. Coach, um, Coach Steele was obviously there right from when I started off. So that was all I knew. And his defense was all I had known and everything I had learned. And obviously it was really different from what I had run, you know, the years before in high school, but this is all of the, next level type things that I knew and I didn't you know when you don't know what you don't I had no idea there were whole different ways of even calling in plays or setting stuff up or how you look at formations and things like that um and then you know coach deal was really really cool and he he loved to interact with us and he had no problem getting on to you but really good guy and then coach Mason comes in and I mean he is the most fiery like he's got that deep voice and so we all got to meet the coaches. I, I super specifically remember this. We all got to meet the coaches in the indoor facility. They had a whole – they'd show up on the um, – on a big projector, like, hey, he was Coach Mason. He walks up front, introduces himself to everybody. So afterwards, he gets all the defense around him and um, is just talking, and he's his same old self like he is in 
interview, every press conference, he's fiery, going after it, this, that, and the other, you know, yelling. And, uh, I mean, I remember I walked out of there and I texted some of my buddies. I was like, day one, I will run through a brick wall for Coach Mason. Like, I've already decided. But, so, I mean, he was the same way. Nicest, super cool guy. He was, And he was really, really good because he came in and he knew nobody knew his defense. So, with that sort of transition, he comes in and we start from the very, very, very basics. Like, what is 21 personnel? How do you call 21 personnel? What do you look for? Um, and we really had like a little football school. And um, I mean, we weren't sitting in there like a classroom, but we had a little football school and we had quizzes and you had to know what you were doing and you get called out in meetings if you didn't. And it really was, it was starting from the basics, which was really, really neat. And obviously, you know, we all know what 21 personnel is. We all know what that means, but it's good to just start from there because if not, where does he really start off as a coach? So that was neat. Um, yeah, both. I got really, really lucky to be under those guys. They, uh, I, I imagine staunchly different, but also almost eerily similar. That's what I've heard from a, a lot of people. Um, staun- similar in personality, um, mm-hmm. a little different in philosophy um, is, is kind of, kind of what I've heard and, and neither really bad way uh, on either side. I, I I do have to ask you though how 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 bad did they bully the walk-ons um, in the in these meetings? How much did they pick on you guys? Because I feel like that could be one of those situations where you'd almost expect those guys to be able to get caught sleeping a little bit, but you guys would definitely not be caught lacking. Man, more than anything else, it's not the walk-ons. It's it's the freshmen. It's the young guys, the young scholarship <laughs> guys, the guys that they're bringing in, and they're like, all right, you know, this guy's on scholarship. He needs to be able to compete. Those are the ones they pick on first because a lot of times they're 18 years old and just showed up and they don't know how to balance time and sleep and studying. And so that was their favorite to go after because a lot of the older guys, especially the scholarship guys have been playing for so long. Football is football. And to a certain extent you can learn new stuff, but they picked it up real quick. You know, guys like, I mean, smoke Monday had one of the best like football memory brains that I know of. Like he just picked things up really quick. So then they go after the younger guys and, they find them but yeah every once in a while they would absolutely you'll be going through and there's a walk-on you know that hasn't been asked a question in a year and a half in meetings or in whatever and boom coach mason point out like i need you to tell me what to do right here in this situation what do we call when the x motion's in and yeah if you're not ready you're probably not getting another question <laughs> and that's just that's how it worked and so it kept us all on our toes and it was definitely, it was really fun when a walk-on would get in there and answer the question, boom, just like that. And, you know, the coaches would be super happy for him and kind of point like, hey, look, this kid gets it. You all who are being on scholarship, you guys need to get it too. So it was really neat. Um, definitely have some good, like, just kind of spontaneous moments from that. Football's definitely fraternity. Uh, I imagine there's got to be a little bit of a fraternity amongst walk-ons, right? There, there's got to be just a little bit of that, like, bond, right? There absolutely is, yeah. I mean, it, it was going on before I got there, and I kind of got – kind of got thrown into it and um it is it's really cool and there's there's definitely not a us versus them type of feel but you know if you see a walk-on doing good if you see somebody like you know my buddy jackson mcfadden if you see him go out there and he gets a hold like, j-mac this is so awesome everybody's super happy for him you don't care if you're going up against him every day like in one-on-ones or whatever it might be a walk-on to walk-on and everybody you want to understand what it took to get there from that person because you did it as well so 
yeah, we were all really happy for each other. We had a good time together. Bill, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> you're you're excited now. <laughs> but yeah, you brought up uh, J Mac, who uh, saved some of my uh, hardest journalism uh, papers and stuff because he was my downstairs neighbor. So I just go, "Hey, J Mac, you want to yeah. do a quick little interview for an assignment?" So. <laughs> Uh, so what was the walk-on process like, like going to the schools? I know you had to apply to be a walk-on. What, what was that process like with Auburn? Yeah, mine was a little bit different than what it normally is. So I can't, I can't speak to a normal Auburn walk-on process, but so you have to, you know, when you're in college, you're getting recruited in this, that, and the other. And I wasn't, you know, I'm not going to say I was recruited as highly as, you know, most of these other dudes, but you get, you get offers to smaller schools and you get chances to go to camps at bigger schools and maybe not get the offer. So my first thing was I had to balance, like, do I want to go somewhere where I know I can play, where I have an offer, or do I want to go somewhere like Auburn? Where, like, I always told my family I wanted to go somewhere where football mattered. Obviously, I ended up here. And so that was the first one. And once you kind of realize, okay, I'm going to go the walk-on route, I'm, you know, I've got to tell all these smaller schools like hey not going I appreciate it you move on and then so you've got to apply you've got to start basic I mean you hear about guys like like uh, Josh Allen you know you reach out to every single coach that you can trying to get a roster spot and then you know there's a coach that's in charge of bringing on walk-ons and you figure out who that guy is send him a couple emails give him a call if you can I got real lucky because um, my high school head coach had connections up here so the coach knew of my school and was kind of, you know, it wasn't completely out of the blue that I was able to reach out. And then you go through. And um, so the way mine was different was, so I was on, you know, I communicated with the coaches and they say, Hey, here's, here's the date of the walk-on tryout. Um, you know, show up, bring cleats, bring clothes, bring water. And then um, I really, I really don't know the, um, administrative stuff that happened behind the scenes with this but it was whatever anyways they ended up basically canceling walk-on tryouts but there were there were four guys that they brought in and were like hey you guys still come up run a little bit for us it was me Russ Logan um, and then a, a long snapper and a D tackle slash running back so we came in this, that, that was my experience we came in we had coach Russell the strength coach he led us through warm-ups. He led us through a 40 and a little shuttle drill. And they said, all right, cool. I'll talk to you all later. All of us are sitting there like, that That can't be, be right. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we all are sitting there taking our cleats off. You know, we met an hour ago. We're trying to figure out, well, is this, what, is this really what it's supposed to be like? How do we find out? Um, but so that was me. And I know typically, you know, it's kind of the same system. You reach out to the coach. You get a time. You get a date. You show up. But. I mean, I got real lucky that, you know, a smaller group as opposed to, you know, maybe 50, 60 guys out there. I don't know how big tryouts are, but I know they're huge. That's a, uh, that's hilarious. Just standing around and it's one of those like, what now moments? Like, what I, is, is that it? Is this, is this the end? That's uh that's, I've, that's the first I've heard of this and I've, I've talked to you three or four times about your walk on uh, experience. So. Yeah. I promise I'm listening to you every time, Brooks. I don't, I don't tune you out. I try not to. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. You know what? <laughs> Believe it if you will, uh, or don't. And uh, some people tell me I'm FOS, and they're probably right. Uh, 
if you could list maybe a couple of pros and a couple of cons of, of, of your experience being a walk-on, um, you, you seem to love it. I would assume the pros severely outweighed, outweighed the cons, but there had to have been a couple of times you're just like, dude, this sucks. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> well, every, every, every time spring ball starts, every time fall camp starts, it's exciting, but at the same time, you're kind of looking down the barrel of, man, I'm about to get beat up every day <laughs> for, who, for who knows how long. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the pros definitely outweigh everything. I mean, just the, the friends that I have made and the connections that I have and, um, you know, I mean, just the experiences, you know, every kid, every kid that plays football, when you're in middle school, you dream of like going out and somewhere. And I told my parents like, man, if I get to run out of the tunnel at Jordan Hare stadium, I'm happy. And of course, Everybody wants to play. Everyone wants to be able to start. That's your end ultimate goal. But sometimes you got to be like, man, you know, I'm joining the team for a reason. And I, I understand where I'm coming in at. This is what I want to do. And it was just a lot of fun, man. And I mean, it, it, it taught me a lot about, you know, all the corny stuff about self-discipline and this, that, and the other. But I remember one time we were walking up for decks, um, the summer of 21 like we're walking up that big spiral ramp and all of us are just oh my god this is gonna be bad it was one of the last ones so we're running up a bunch and I had this thought of you know what like I'm never gonna be as kind of like weirded out and nervous as I am right now like like there's not gonna be a presentation or anything in the business world that's gonna possibly end in me like getting physically hurt or physically this right. side or the other. So that was a whole moment I had where you kind of sit and you're like, all right, I guess I am learning a couple things. Sure. Um, but yeah, just, I, I guess I don't really know any different. I couldn't tell you if college life would have been better or worse, not playing. I don't regret it at all. Um, and I, guess, I think that's your I answer know. then, man. I think yeah, if you don't absolutely. if you don't regret it, I think that's your answer, and absolutely. and and that that's what most people say, and that's good to hear. Mm -hmm. Dylan, well, you know that there's always those guys in the locker room who can just make the entire team just bust out laughing. Who would you say is the was the funniest guy in the locker room while you were at Auburn? Uh, the first one, maybe just because he was the loudest, that comes to mind is Sean Shivers. No <laughs> question. I mean. He uh, he he's just always my locker wasn't next to him. I don't know if y'all have ever seen the inside of the locker room, but there's kind of a central area and some walls, and he was always on the other side of the wall. But I'm always just hearing him talk, and I I don't know what half the time half the time he's just yelling at somebody, but him, um, man, I mean, just uh, Jordan Peters when he was there, he was great. Um, I always really liked him. It's, uh, it's just, you, you get guys, you know, guys will just run around and there's all kinds of some, this person might be super tired today and you're not going to see a word out of them and they're sitting there at their locker, just keeled over. But Sean was one of those guys that no matter what you always hear him, you know, I mean, you saw it on the field. He's always running his mouth at somebody. Um, but he was great. He's, Super fun guy to have around. Who hit the hardest? Uh, who, who, or I guess the question is, who did you get hit by the hardest, and who did you hit the hardest while you were while you were uh, at Auburn? Uh, whew. 
Man, you know, actually, no, I know exactly what it was. There was <laughs> one day, it wasn't one particular hit. I can think of some other dudes that, um, like, coming off the edge, they didn't see the point guard and ended up flat on their backs. But the worst I had it was, it was that 2021 season. And um, we were running a bunch of gap scheme stuff with the offense. So they have scout defense out there. And so for eight plays in a row, break, and then eight plays in a row, they've got, we had JJ Seguis. He's lined up opposite side off the ball in the C area. And my job is to line up on the end of the line of scrimmage and boom, 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 one after the other. They're running a play. He's coming over here kicking me out <laughs> over and over and over. And uh, that's a big kinda, boy. That's a big dude. And he was so athletic. Like he was one of those guys, man. But I came home, I came home that day and I was taking all of it just on one side. So I get home, this one arm is completely bruised. My roommate's wondering what's happening. I'm like, man, it, it was just, it was just practice today. I've I drew seen the short straw. I've seen but, some things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, I don't, I don't know about the hardest time I hit somebody. Um, because most of the time, you know, when you're running scout defense, it's hit and fit. Like, you kind of hit, fit up with the linemen, and then, you know, nobody's trying to kill each other out there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's just – I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch of times where I got my bell rung or ended up on my back. You, it happens every day to anybody. Sure. Yeah. Dylan, do you want to build on that one there? I see. I'm trying to think because uh, – I find it funny that JJ Pagese hit the hardest, but I also understand where that comes from because the dude's 300 pounds that can run a four, five forty. It feels like Duke could jump like no one, no one's business. The Pegasus nickname was so awesome while that was still. It was crazy. On. Yeah. It Ga- was Gary Danielson had a different nickname for him. If you don't re- remember that. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to bring that one up. Thank you. <laughs> that Let's... was that was might have been the worst uh, broadcast call I've ever heard in my life. Pretty bad. Uh, pretty, pretty. Hey, did, did all, you ever count your blessings for it? Do you ever count your blessings for not having to listen to uh, TV broadcasts? Well, you know, uh, if I didn't travel to away games, I was stuck listening to the TV That's broadcast. Right. So I, I got some of it. Don't worry. You got your fair share and then some. I did. Definitely. What do what do people not think about enough when they when when they talk about a day to day life of a of a college athlete, not necessarily just a, fo- a football player or a walk on, uh, things that maybe slip between the cracks that um, are either extremely annoying or maybe like they're like kind of a cool little thing, other than the fact that you get all this free drip. I think they, they do give you guys the drip for free, right? It is like, well, yeah. It, okay. You don't pay any money for it, yeah. Okay, that that's good. Well, I, um, that was always what I told people. Yeah, feel that. Um, that that part that part's really cool it's good to i mean it it was really cool it was you know selfishly it was really fun to be a part of the team and to have people know that i did this thing that's really really hard that not many people do the thing that people don't understand about it and i really i don't i don't blame anybody for it it's but you just don't really understand i had no clue until i got there was just time and the amount of time that you're doing stuff. And because, you know, people talk about in the pros, once you become a pro, you have all this time to just study film all day long. And like, man, when you're in college, you got to deal with class, you got to deal with whatever else. And uh, yeah, so like, you know, days where, especially if you're hurt, 
and you're having to do rehab and stuff, there are days where, you know, you got workouts in the morning, 6.30, class, 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 uh, treatment, maybe lunch, meetings, meeting, another meeting, practice, grab dinner on the way out, go home, work on home, on homework till whatever time you get to go to bed. And I look back on it and, you know, it, when you're in it again, like I said, you're just kind of in it and you realize, you're like, dang, I'm tired of this sucks, but you just keep going. And now if you ask me to just jump into a day like that, if you ask me to jump into a day of fall camp right now, I couldn't do it. I just, you know, it's this mentality and it's a certain and just you condition yourself to do all these things. But that's the number one thing. I mean, people would be like, hey, you know, all the time, do you want to do this? Do you want to grab dinner? Do you want to go here? Do you want to watch this? Do you want to study at this place? I'm like, man, I can't. Like, I'm going to be at practice. I'm going to be at home. Um, but again, I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't regret it at all. So that part is, that part's nice. I, I definitely get that. Definitely made uh, your routine of going working for Lockheed not that uh, not that difficult to adjust to. I'm sure. <laughs> nothing, no, nothing can compare. No, no. I'd imagine. <laughs> it's just different, you know. Like you sit at a desk all day and you do get tired. And I get mad at myself. Like why am I tired? I haven't done anything all day. But you know, it happens. It's just yeah, it's totally different. I look back on some of the scheduling stuff that we have. Jeez, this is just crazy. <laughs> insanity Dylan go ahead mm -hmm. well, when you look back at your time at Auburn what was your favorite memory from playing football the one I tell people a hundred percent was that my senior year 2021 we're playing Ole Miss at home we win um two parts really Jalen Simpson's interception coming across the back of the end zone on the was that South Side of the Stadium um I happened to be standing kind of further back along the sideline and I was lined up right where, um, what's his name? Who's the quarterback? Uh, you said, Jackson um, Dart? Uh, no, I don't miss in 2021. Oh, Corral. Yeah. No. yeah Matt oh, Corral. Altmeyer. Yeah. Matt Corral. That was Corral. Yeah. It's Corral. Um, when he threw that pick to Jalen cutting across, I'm standing right behind him and I saw, I know, I know why he threw that ball. You see exactly what he sees. And it just looked like the Red Sea had parted. And so he throws it. I'm freaking out. Jalen comes across out of nowhere, picked it. That's probably like the coolest play. Um, no, no. Zacoby's pick six in the Iron Bowl. I was wondering um, where that one was going to wind in up. In <laughs> 2019. Yeah, for sure. But after, after that Ole Miss game in 21, um, that was when that was the first night game with the lights, with the new orange LEDs and everything. And we had shook hands. We'd done the prayers, brother Chet, after the game, and everybody's head was the locker room, and the student section was still full. They started playing swag surf, and everybody is kind of jogging in. And then you see some guys kind of looking around, like, "Hey, should we?" And then you know some of the guys like Jacoby and and uh, guys like that were the first ones over. They just took off to the student section, so we all. Got to run over there, stood with the students, lights are flashing, swag surf, music, everybody was just that was that was the coolest part, um, for sure. Hell yeah, it was. Well yeah, it was really neat. Brooks, we really appreciate you you taking some time to talk with us today. I got one last question for you. This is the most difficult one I'm gonna ask you and before we get out of here. Yeah. You're an Arkansas kid, right? So you grew, grew up in I Arkansas, am. correct? So you're yep. prob probably a barbecue aficionado. Okay. I mean, if, yeah. If I, if I'm not mistaken here, best barbecue spot in Auburn. This is a reoccurring theme here on the on our on our show. Go. 
Byron, for sure. Byron's. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you get there? Um, I gotten pretty much everything there. Um, probably pulled pork, pulled pork, pork sandwich. He's one. Of, he's one of us, Dylan. We're just like him for real. Yeah, honestly, thing. <laughs> Brooks, thank you so much for joining us today, man. We had a ton of fun. Um, you're welcome on the show anytime. Come talk ball. Spring ball firing up next week. Shoot me a text if there's something you want to talk about. You're always welcome. It's always a pleasure to catch up, and uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, I thank you guys so much. It was a lot of fun. No problem. That was Brooks Walton. We'll throw it back to ourselves to get out of here, Dylan. So if you want to do a little wizardry magic, you can go and cut the cut the timer for me. Yes, a big time thank you to Brooks Walton, friend of the program. I doubt this will be his last time on the program. Dylan, he was so much fun to talk to. What a good dude. Oh, yeah. I, I love talk. The walk-ons always give the best stories. That's because right. Because they see it all. And I mean, and whenever they get into the game, it's always a blast. That's right. That's right. Laces out 8-4. Shout out Jackson McFadden, who a friend of the program once again. And uh, excited to, to hopefully talk to him in the near future. For now, that's all we've got for the Thursday edition of the College Loop. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to check out my written work, you can find my work at The Auburn Daily. My Twitter handle is at ByHarrisonTar, like you're reading the byline. You can also find, uh, I guess, oh, yep, there we go. Find more of my podcasting work on The Auburn Daily Show every Wednesday and Friday. Wednesday with Dylan Alark. Friday with the fantastic Lindsey Crosby, Auburn baseball certified genius. Dylan, I've had a ton of fun with you this week, man. Definitely looking forward to uh, talking some ball later on in the week. Enjoy going to see another rebomb on Sunday, and let's get out of here. Always. All right. Well, that's me. I'm Dylan Lark, at your boy The Tank on Twitter. It is at Y-A-B-O-I The Tank. Follow the cause loop literally everywhere. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Not MySpace, but YouTube, TikTok, not LinkedIn, but there's a link tree out on our Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, I believe. Not Facebook yet, but it's everywhere. So you can find us very easily from that link. Also catch me on the Auburn Daily Show every Monday with Lance Daw and Wednesday with this man right there. And catch our last episode where we talked about where does Robbie Ashford rank amongst other SEC quarterbacks. And with that, this has been the College Loop.